0: Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. Content warnings for this episode include dysphoria, suicide, sexual abuse, involuntary hospitalization and medication, and religious trauma. So hi, everyone. I'm Gender Measter. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm delighted to welcome back to Genderful my dear friend, Brooke West, who uses they, she pronouns. Hey, Brooke.
1: Thanks for having me back.
0: We had so much fun last time. We got through less than half of what I planned for us to talk about. And so I was like, well, obviously, Brooke has to come back.
1: (laughs) And we also had good comments from the listener, right? We totally
0: did. Yeah, There
1: was feedback that it was heard and received with interest. Yeah,
0: Yeah, totally. It's so good. So before we dive into questions that I have, you said that you wanted to offer some sort of mini yoga practice for us today.
1: I would love to do a centering, an embodied centering Mm -hmm. practice, just to center myself and also attune to the vibe and allow myself to clear my mind a little bit before I go into this conversation transitioning from the last one. So if you feel to, you might bring your awareness to your seat where your body connects with whatever it is that's supporting it. And beneath that, excuse me, you might bring your awareness to the earth beyond your seat. And if it's appropriate for you, you might gently bring your awareness to your feet and to your calves and to your thighs, and to the sitz bones, to the low back and the low belly below the navel. And from here, outward to the hands, the lower arms and the upper arms. You might draw your awareness to the heart center. That could be the heart itself. We're including the lungs as you breathe, the ribcage, the middle back, the upper back, the back of the neck, inviting any inspiration into the back of the neck, the point between the eyebrows, receptive to any inspiration. If you feel too, you might bring your awareness to the rhythm of the breath, and in particular to the exhalation, which is the relaxation phase of the breath. And taking just another couple of minutes, if you feel to, you might draw your awareness outward to the environment that you're in, the room or the space. You might notice sounds, temperature, eyes closed or open. You might observe any sensations of light perceptions of color or shape, observing any taste in the mouth, any scent to the air, observing any physical sensations or mental thoughts or emotional feelings. It might be giving you any messages. If there's a directive to those messages, you might allow yourself to honor that directive. If it feels safe you for anyone else and comfortable nourishing observing the exhalation the point between the eyebrows if you'd like to deepen the breath you might lengthen the spine lifting the heart as if at a diagonal from the floor allowing electricity to move through the spine and the nervous system a little bit more smoothly if possible As you exhale, you might release your awareness once again toward the point between the eyebrows, the prefrontal cortex. And just take another 10 or 15 seconds to rest and feel. And being sweet with yourself. Coming back whenever you feel ready.
0: Thank you so much, Brooke. I consistently get super blissed out whenever you lead a little meditation thing like that.
1: Are you noticing over time that your access to bliss is different as you practice?
0: What a good question. There was a time where I had a meditation practice every single day, Mm -hmm. it was like using an app. So it was tracking my streak and it met me (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I know when things are incentivized like that, I don't like breaking my streak, but once I do. It's hard to get back into it. So it's an all or nothing, like the psychology works on my perfectionism in my brain, but I decided to do it for one calendar year and see how it would go. And I still remember New Year's Eve, I was at a party and I'd realized I hadn't meditated that day. And so I went under these like bleachers at this like circus New Year's Eve party and did my 10 minute meditation at 1150 p.m. on New Year's
1: Eve. Can I stop you and ask you a clarifying question? Sure. When you realized that you hadn't meditated that day, was it because an alarm actually went off or was it something in your body? It was in my
0: it was my brain. It was your brain. It just Uh it was like, hey, you didn't do that thing today. It's like, oh, no,
1: Sure. I'm you, one you day away. In... I don't want you to were lose training. my streak. <laughs> you were training yourself. you trained.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: changed your brain.
0: Did. Yeah. The first month or so of practice, I had this total monkey mind, like,
1: oh, like, for sure. like
0: hurting my new kitten that I have just every, crawling everywhere. Ah, let's do anything but the task we're supposed to do. And eventually it got easier to be still and sink into the practice because I got more practiced at it and that's also how my yoga practice goes is my body's all wanted to wiggle around and do stuff and then eventually it mellows out yeah
1: yeah for any conditioning of any kind Mm -hmm. it's yeah yeah conditioning for bliss
0: yeah you're it's like training the you're myelinating the pathways in your head to do the things that you're doing whatever they are good or bad
1: And I don't know how long that relaxation lasted. Maybe it was 10 minutes, but it does take the mind, the nervous system. My understanding is 15 to 20 minutes to Mm -hmm. actually start to settle. Mm -hmm. And then there's a shift of brainwave. And then from 20 minutes on you're in the zone. So noticing that the monkey mind exists and is active for those first 20 minutes to me is its own it's liberating to know that I don't have to be I'm gonna be in monkey mind for 20 minutes mm-hmm. so if I'm like I sat down and I tried for a minute and I just couldn't do it like you just
0: have to persist
1: this is about a disciplined repetitive practice over a long period of time mm-hmm. it's written in the Bhagavad Gita that way mm-hmm. disciplined repetitive practice over a long period of time will get you to liberation whatever that means to you mm-hmm. it might be the same for everybody once we get there I don't know
0: here's a big question for you is yoga a religion
1: you the REM song losing my religion <laughs> that'd be funny if we had planned
0: that would be really funny <laughs> we'll do I'm that pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we don't have the rights to that but if we did sure, we, could right. edit, we could edit it in maybe we could you could than. record you singing it and then yeah, we right. can splice it in
1: <laughs> That's me in the corner. Yeah, this is me in the spotlight. <laughs> That's you in the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> is it a religion? So it can be practiced as a religion, for sure. It's a philosophy. It's a way of living. And yoga is has a lot more meaning than I think most people know or understand. So it's not just exercise, of course. And it, there are practices where we can apply our inherent devotion, but really what my understanding is that for in religion, I tell you what to believe. It's based on a belief system, but spirituality is based on experience. And so if you practice yoga and you have an experience that leads to bliss or a sense of liberation or something Of well-being you might just lean toward it again Mm. and i don't know if that's religion or but the difference is that with yoga we are suggesting and offering techniques tools technology to actually practice these things so you can have the direct experience of god Mm -hmm. or whatever that means to you, right? Mm -hmm. Goodness or bliss or oneness or liberation, or like I said, I don't know what it's like for you or for anybody else, but I have my theories. So does that answer the question?
0: It does. And the audience has now asked two questions.
1: Sweet, (laughs) hit me.
0: So in regards to the yoga practice that you just, the meditation practice we just went through, Maddie asks, 20 minutes is a long time, capital L, long How do you recommend people make it through that time just to even really start? So especially like if someone has ADHD or whatever, how do you get from the
1: perfect question? It's like a
0: couch to 5k, but spiritual in nature instead of physical.
1: It's the what?
0: (laughs) It's like a couch to 5k, but spiritual in nature instead of physical.
1: I don't know what couch to five spade is. (laughs)
0: 5k, like five kilometers. So it's how do people start running? If you want to train for a marathon and you're a couch potato, how do you go from couch potato to marathon runner? Same question, different topic. Um,
1: Yeah. How do we get from Island B? Yeah. So I really love the idea of one, when talking about some larger idea, Mm -hmm. what is like that first step? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So that first step could be a lot of different things but if you do that first step like it maybe it maybe to you it's find a chair or actually think of doing it or something mm-hmm. what i find is that if i can actually get on the floor or get in a chair and sit for it i will probably allow myself to take one breath where the exhalation is a relief mm-hmm. that could be the first breath i want to go into relaxation i want, vasodilation. I want electricity to be able to flow up my spine to my spiritual eye with a relaxed body. And then I want to breathe in a relaxed way so that my respiratory diaphragm is stimulating my vagus nerve, which is sending information from my body about pain or comfort up to my brain and telling Mm -hmm. my brain how to respond. Mm -hmm. So if I can allow myself to get like physically comfortable just for an exhalation, feel a tiny bit of relief, Mm then I'll probably stay there for another breath. Four breaths is a statistically significant um, difference in the regulation of the nervous system. So I tell myself if I can stay for four breaths, try that. And then the suggestion is stay a little longer, stay for are you doing a technique? Are you practicing a breathing technique or a mantra? some sort of repetitive movement with your body, if you are, then the suggestion is to do that practice for as long as it's comfortable until you've stimulated the energy upon which you Mm -hmm. can rest when you're just meditating, noticing the breath while, so do the technique and then sit and rest for as long as you did the technique Mm -hmm. or a little bit longer could be twice as long. That's the hard part is to be still and notice the shifts of subtle energy. Yeah. So we have techniques like breathing techniques or mantras, noticing those embodied practices of the spine, the seat, the temperature, coming back to the technique or the exhale, the relaxation. So it becomes this like this trot through a practice. And I suggest to stop before it becomes uncomfortable or before you become irritated Mm. to the point where it's gonna create an impression that you're irritated by it. Mm -hmm. Because those impressions are what we're actually neutralizing when meditating. Mm. As far as yogic mysticism says, We're neutralizing the whirlpools of feeling. If you can feel, find comfort, do it until you feel comfort. It could be just one exhalation. Sitting and just one exhalation. Start small. We're all super overstimulated. And if we try to add too many new things for too long, we're never gonna do it. Yeah so where in your house are you going to do this are you going to do it in a regular place at each time mm-hmm. and setting something up so that you can just go over there and sit in it or lie yeah. in it having a little space for oneself can be a really good first step spiritualizing that zone mm-hmm. it, that will magnetize you back likely it will yeah. help anyway
0: one thing that i love about now i'm a homeowner oh my gosh i never thought that would happen in my life one thing that i love about my new house is i have this big carpet that we didn't have in our old house and there's like this spot that's super soft and that's where i have all my yoga blankets and my my yoga band and other collateral that i use for my practice and so when i walk over there it's oh look here's this thing i should just do that right quick and I'll throw a blanket on the ground and get my legs up the couch instead of a whole wall, I'll just do the couch
1: because <laughs> it's easy
0: and it's right there. It can be
1: more know. relieving for the hips to mm-hmm. do it on the couch, to have your knees bent. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say there are times when I'm here, I am keep looking down at like the spot where I do it. And mm-hmm. there are times that I look at it and I think, yeah, there's that stuff. But to, it's inviting to know that it's there and to be able to mm-hmm. have it in my, like in my view. Yeah keeps it in my consciousness and my waking consciousness. Mm
0: -hmm. So Maddie has another question for you. Is there a wrong way to do yoga?
1: Oh gosh, that sure.
0: What's (laughs) the wrong way to do yoga, Brooke?
1: I think that's a long, (laughs) like with resentment, (laughs) wrong way to do it Um, so that you're hurting yourself. That's another wrong way of doing it. In the type of yoga that I teach, which is like the yogas of rest, you don't want to go into any pain or strain or tingling or numbness or burning or or even dissociation. Like you want to be able to be with whatever it is that you're working at and exhale and find that vasodilation again, that relaxation phase. So doing it with strain is doing it wrong not doing it is doing it wrong i could go on and on probably but those are i think that's a pretty good
0: yeah i can tell you that there i feel like i had a lot of rules in my brain about how i'm supposed to drink water like it's you're only supposed to do three ounces every 15 minutes or something, And so I had all these rules in my head about it. And then I just wouldn't drink enough water because I'd be like, I can't do it. So I'm not going to do it at all. Or I take a yeah. sip and then two hours goes by and I'm like, oh no, I didn't have a sip every 15 minutes. I'm having a sip once every two hours or whatever. So recently I decided I'm just going to have a goal of a certain quantity of liquid to consume a day. And it could be any liquid. And let's see if I can just hit that goal. And so like last night I was like chugging two of my 21 ounce water bottles at 1150 at night because I hadn't done it before midnight again, (laughs) but you know what? I hydrated and I got all the water in for the day that I needed and yeah, maybe it's like the perfect version of drinking water is just constantly taking little sips, but with my, like the way my attention works in my brain, it's easier to have four big chugs throughout the day (laughs) and then just be fine. than trying to remember to take little sips every very frequently and anyway but I'm overall I'm drinking more water than I used to which is good it's making all kinds of things in my body work better than they do otherwise yeah but it was like my perfectionism about how I drink water was stopping me from drinking water and so I wonder if people have perfectionism around how they practice yoga and if that's stopping them from practicing yoga or meditating or whatever
1: well also it's So it's wise to, to learn and do some yoga so that how your physical body actually moves in space, like a skeleton Mm -hmm. so that you don't do it wrong, which Mm -hmm. means unsafely
0: so that you you don't want to injure yourself or others.
1: There is a style of yoga, a school of yoga called I rest. It's I rest yoga Nidra. Yoga Nidra is the yoga of sleep which where you're barely asleep, you're like in between. And iRest was the first company to do evidence-based research on this particular style of yogic sleep. And so it gained a lot of popularity and was brought into the US military for combat as survivors. There's a line in their program, in their protocol, that is repeated by the teachers who learn this style the line is, you can't do this wrong. So because it's a rest practice, there's not a lot of like technique physically to it. Usually you're in a still form on the ground or supported by blankets or in your bed or something like that. And because it's a mental practice and someone is well-trained to guide you, you, you can't do it wrong because the only thing that we would label as wrong would be the activity of the mind that we've trained it to do, which is what you've called monkey mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the monkey mind is going to do what we trained it to do. And so if we have someone guiding us and coaxing us and giving us a line to hold on to as we move through the practice of rest and relaxation and rest... Mm-hmm meditation it will train the monkey to hold on to the line and it's harder to even think that you're doing it wrong there's so much shame about doing it wrong in our culture Mm -hmm. i think that's why these practices of rest have become underground really popular and there aren't Mm -hmm. enough really well-trained facilitators who can super guide you yeah like yeah to the point where you're gonna keep coming back for more
0: and how long was your certification process that you went through
1: that's such a good question because it was actually an embodied like development so who knows maybe I've been conscious of yoga since I was a very small child right
0: yeah it's been a if lifelong a, practice
1: if there's a frequency to it Maybe I've been in the frequency. What's the frequency? Can if there's you whole like REM.
0: <laughs> this episode is not sponsored by REM, but it could be.
1: <laughs> We're both DJs at heart. So That's true. <laughs> oh
0: my God.
1: I'm looking at the cat. I'm like the cat on the deck. On the decks, just having a fantasy about <laughs> cat DJs. Sorry,
0: I digress. Did I, s- did I send you that as a birthday card at some point?
1: I don't know did you maybe i texted maybe. you about it picture, there's
0: definitely a picture of a cat DJing for a happy birthday gif somewhere okay GIF. we're sharing the
1: brain like yes i'm psychic too so it's possible <laughs> that i'm reading it from your brain anyway <laughs> what were we talking about um, uh, the frequency yeah
0: what how, were we how long about? did it take you to get certified as yoga therapist Because oh. plenty of people have started using this phrase yoga therapist but they're not certified and they're just taking this thing you trained really hard at for a long time and pretending that they did that too but they didn't
1: yeah so (laughs) you want me to explain the certification process of for a yoga therapist i'd be happy to
0: did it take months years
1: Years. decades multiple years decades let's see i started in 2002 And no, it was, my trajectory was about 14 years, Mm -hmm. but I, there wasn't a yoga therapy certification like accredited program when I started. So I was grandfathered and had way more experience. Mm -hmm. I also took all of the classes that were required eventually when they were starting becoming requirements. Yeah, I started practicing daily in 2002 and or maybe a little bit before that like mentally daily like I knew I needed it and I was going but not like super regularly and then I yeah I practiced for two and a half years I don't know if we talked about this in the first one but six to five to eight times a week yeah five to nine times a week like I got really into yoga so I was doing doubles yeah in hot yoga
0: oh no Um, (laughs) and then talk about that some in the other episode yeah because it I went was to like teach- down the street from your house or no, like in actually. the same town as you and it was like yeah. wow this thing is popping nearby or whatever san Luis
1: obispo is not a big town no and so when bikram yoga came to town all of us in our late 20s and early 30s were like oh something new and literally hot and it was a meditation. We were into it. There was a lot of us in, in, San Luis Obispo, a lot, there were, there was, we had a yogi community doing it together and hammering our bodies and changing our lives. And it was really a high practice. I know now because it's based in what, what i practice and teach now, which is called a kriya yoga. It's Kriya Mm. Yoga meditation. It's in the same tradition. The Bikram yoga is in the same tradition as what I teach now. But anyway, that that is the frequency of it. So I went to teacher training and then I kept going back to the ashram every summer and I just started picking up classes and then I was certified and then I was certified. So I was certified by my school, Ananda and then i was certified by the international association of yoga therapists a couple of years later mm-hmm. i think but the YT, the international association of yoga therapists they ask that if they haven't certified you in the united states that you don't call yourself a yoga therapist so that we can preserve the integrity of the accreditation and certification as it becomes more like established mm-hmm. We want to be able to have a really, in some cases, in some ways standardized, we want to have standardized training Mm -hmm. and we want to, we just want to develop and preserve the idea in the, for in the future of what a yoga therapist is, what their scope of practice is, that who, how we can track their training and who their teachers are, because this is a teacher to student tradition, a guru disciple tradition, that's- right? The way that it's put in another country, another culture from where it came. Yeah, we want to be able to have accountability within the community of how we're behaving and uh, why we're teaching what we're teaching and also to keep it scientific. So yoga therapy, we want to develop evidence-based research to show that yoga actually works so that the Western medical industrial complex can start to bring yoga practices into its protocol as complement yeah. so that we can because of the because it works yeah and wouldn't it be it
0: great could, if you could bill your yoga therapy to insurance
1: we're working on that <laughs> and actually in some ways you can That's
0: they're really cool. it's
1: starting actually it's That's starting so awesome yeah it is it's good
0: it's hard to fit all of the things i like to talk to you about in a two-hour conversation <laughs>
1: Well, there's a reason we like each other because you're smart and funny too. And you're oh, thoughtful thanks. and you're spiritual and you're like, you're, you you want to talk about, about ethics and morals and spirituality and you, we don't talk about it enough. Yeah. And yeah, Regent of Masters of, what did you study?
0: Oh, I have a Master's in Theological Studies.
1: Oh yeah, I just have a <laughs> Master's in Theological Studies.
0: <laughs> It's true. I geek out about this stuff.
1: <laughs> I love it. So can I. We don't talk about it enough. And I think it can be made really interesting, especially because because of who we are. Yeah. Trans and queer.
0: I love how purple your water bottle is. Oh my gosh. What a luscious color. It's so purple. <laughs> it's so purple.
1: We both have busted hand stuff happening today.
0: We do. Yeah. I got into a battle of the wills with my kitten and I won, but it was expensive. But the alternative was her running off into the night as a four month old kitten. So. Nope. (laughs)
1: Everybody
0: hurts. (laughs) Okay. So so Maddie asks, would you recommend having a dedicated spot that you don't use for anything else when practicing yoga?
1: If you can, if you're that privileged.
0: Yeah, for sure. I have a spot that I use regularly. But I wouldn't say it's dedicated because it doubles also as our living room, but it's the yoga blankets have a spot in their little cube and nothing else goes there, but yoga things. And It usually ends
1: up, and... And I have multiple places where I can like drop and give a few 20, but upstairs in my bedroom, usually it's right next to my bed because there's usually a zone right next to my, near my bed that I, where there's not a lot of traffic usually. Mm-hmm so i have a corner that faces east is the direction of the rising sun we're talking about this electricity moving up the spine toward the prefrontal cortex Mm -hmm. so facing east will help to magnetize it up as
0: it's outside
1: or north i think is also you have to
0: do it in the mornings for it to count
1: you don't have to know <laughs> everything it, it'll add up every little bit adds up so no that that. i actually am hopefully on a good day doing it all the time i'm yeah. meditating as i'm moving through the world yeah
0: Cause for you and we might have talked about this last time but it's also hard to remember what we talked about on stream and what we've just talked about in general in our lives but for you yoga is a mindset it's it's a lifestyle it's 24 7 365 like your food choices are yoga your your movement choices are yoga your exercise choices are yoga Your like how many people you have around and in the house and how you do your social life is rooted in yoga so it's much more than just a movement modality or an exercise practice for you. It's a lifestyle.
1: And then, and it's said in the scriptures and the yogic texts that Mm -hmm. if you do practice it like that, it will start happening to you. Mm -hmm. Like it starts happening for you so that you don't have to work as hard. It's getting into a stream. Like Mm -hmm. flowing down with this bigger Ganga, big river, an original source river. Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge umbrella over my head all the time that is yoga. And I try to fit, I try to ask myself, is this yoga? what would yoga do? <laughs> I guess it's something that I never think about it like that, but like, like a
0: bracelet. What would yoga do? <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, exactly. You
0: tattoo it on your wrist. What would I yoga have it do?
1: tattooed <laughs> on the inside of the forehead, like at the point between my eyebrows, where,
0: where your third eye is, your third eye is just staring at what would yoga do constantly?
1: It actually, that's exactly right.
0: You have that's... a, what would yoga do colored lens on your third eye? You look out on of the, the inside. <laughs> It's like a monocle. It's like a yoga monocle.
1: I like that it's colored. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, my imagination runs wild. It's yoga. I have a disco ball in there that's like flashing, you know, all the t- Yeah. How do you do disco, disco mindfully, disco. Brooke? <laughs> I said, how do you do disco mindfully? Yeah. How do I do disco in my mind?
0: Laughing <laughs> 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 with you is so fun.
1: <laughs> There's got to be an REM song.
0: <laughs> oh my God.
1: Oh. I never knew that REM was... So yogic. It never flooded <laughs> through me like this. I'm channeling. So I did my first astrology reading that was professionally like somebody paid for it on, on Sunday, yesterday nice. morning. It went amazing. My body was buzzing. Like I awesome. was like, this channel was vibrating with the frequency of this 17 year old with cancer. My... Her chart, it was rad. She was so much shinier at the end of it. Mm. She was so interested in something else, yes. besides all the melee. It was such a blessing for me to be able to do that. Yeah, I love astrology too. Like I'm starting to re- recognize. Like I have an understanding, and yeah. uh, it's uh, it's a language to learn. I speak French too.
0: The language to kitty shirt because it was fancy Ooh, moon thing recently. That's a fun. How fun. It's like Faces of the Moon with cat faces. I like the I cat. love the
1: new moon.
0: Yeah, the new moon with the cat that's just eyes, like Void uh-huh. Kitty. The new <laughs> cat. The so black cat.
1: It's <laughs> so good.
0: <laughs> it's one of my favorite shirts. I don't wear t-shirts very often, but when I do, it's usually cat themed.
1: You, you have good shirts, <laughs> <Thank> frankly. <you>. <laughs> <laughs> Generally. Thank you. I appreciate that. Your, your shirt wardrobe is Totally clever and entertaining, (laughs) and irreverent, and also super reverent.
0: Yay! (laughs) So fun. I love that we've seen each other enough that you have a sense of my t-shirt wardrobe.
1: (laughs) It's like the best thing ever. Well, sometimes they're (laughs) stunning. Let's just say that the one with the cat in the cosmos.
0: Yeah, that's your favorite (laughs) shirt of mine. Like my cat right here. It does. It looks just like Baby Boy, A.K.A. Jessica. Do you want to tell us about Baby Boy, Jessica?
1: baby boy answers to baby boy and to jessica mm-hmm. and their official name is ziggy stardust because their eyes are
0: two different colors such a cute kitten yeah is he like two
1: yeah i don't know i think he's three. Oh, he's three
0: he's such a cute
1: i, th- I think he's three i've never so, had a cat before like this so
0: yeah were you and you got he him, he just wandered into your life one day.
1: Yeah, late adolescence, totally thrashed. Yeah. Yeah. And He needed we, more
0: yoga in his life.
1: We needed each other. I needed he... him so bad. I was looking for a dog to adopt at the beginning of COVID and couldn't mm-hmm. find one to save my life. And then this white cat. I swear, I had friends looking in Baja for a dog for me. And I had a friend looking for me in Vermont. And I was in California. Yeah could not find a black dog a little black dog yeah the we found a white cat like on my deck
0: (laughs) how about the opposite
1: (laughs) I was like okay that's what you want (laughs) sure (laughs) easy keep it easy keep it simple
0: (laughs) I like it so Maddie also asks do you have any specific yoga recommendations for vertigo If someone has vertigo, do you have, Mm -hmm. I don't know if there are poses or modalities of yoga that would be better than others?
1: Great question. Maybe vinyasa
0: flow is not the best choice if you've got vertigo, (laughs) That's my guess.
1: Yeah. So my understanding of vertigo is that it's stress related. Generally speaking, there are crystals in the ear that can get off kilter but it often comes on during times of stress or for people who've lived for a long time with stress so the yogas of relaxation again anything that is calming and self-regulating so specific breathing techniques or practices that are really working on nervous system regulation would be really helpful the one of the one of the forms the physical forms suggested for vertigo is legs up the wall, but people can get really queasy. I think that's what happens when you come upside down in addition to feeling dizzy. Mm -hmm. The idea is to come into legs up the wall, so get down and be comfortable. So that's important to figure out like, can I put a blanket under my sacrum across Mm -hmm. that my tailbone is coming off of it or blanket under the neck and then feel the queasy and notice how long the queasiness lasts. And then see if you can rest and get comfortable, like that meditative difficult part for at least as long as it took, as it was, as you were queasy. And then bring your knees over to the side, rest there for just a moment so that you don't get dizzy when you come up and come up. So that's a suggestion, but I've had I had a client who did that and was like, that's you, forever. think I'm never doing that again you have to watch what is appropriate for you and your body Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. that the thing that helped one of my clients who had vertigo was taking a card and putting it up and looking at and putting it down and doing these different exercises that were really helpful for them and if you wanted to make that yogic you could have a affirmation there or a symbol that you loved or keep it mindful and uplifted and joyful. That's what I, that's off the top of my head. But if someone were to come to me complaining of yoga or complaint complaining of yoga symptoms, vertigo, I would look it up and I like, I do research if it's something that I'm not familiar with. Mm -hmm. And then I would come to the client and I would ask them if they were willing to do any of these things and then we would like str- strategically work our way to that. But the thing that is the underlying principle of everything that I teach is about relaxation and rest, meditation, and the restorative calming activities. So I would begin by. Approaching. How do we best approach rest for this person where they are mm-hmm. with their anxiety right now or their depression right now or their insomnia right now and their physical body, all of that stuff. Bring them down a notch so that the vasodilation can happen so that whatever's constricting you, c- constricting the bones or the crystals or whatever, the electricity can at least have a, an, an aperture that's more like a portal so that things can flow and... Information can be obtained from there.
0: Next question is: Would you recommend trying out different types of yoga, or stick with one until you get good at it?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. The smart answer is it depends. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so, because
0: maybe you start with the modality that really doesn't work for you, and then sticking with it is just pure torture. But yeah. like. Maybe trying a couple of modalities to find the one that works well for you and then sticking with it is a good plan. I don't know.
1: Yeah. If you're lucky, you land on the one that works for you right away.
0: Yeah. And then you don't need to shop around.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I can tell you I've
0: tried Bikram. I've tried a couple of other types. And then I tried the Yoga Nidra, like rest Kriya yoga stuff that you do. Your type of yoga is my favorite type of yoga. (laughs)
1: It's like adult napping with lullabies. I tuck you in. You do
0: meditations. (laughs) But it's also so tailored and considerate to like whatever ails a person. Like I have a very specific mid back pain thing and I can only be in the legs up the couch wall shape for so long until inevitably this one muscle in my back is nope we're done and and then i have to roll over every time without fail that happens and so we've found a way to have our practice accommodate for that which is so great
1: and i just had inspiration about that that we can talk about next time
0: but tomorrow during our yoga practice together yeah um (laughs) You and me and the cats. <laughs> it's
1: just it's just amazing how it it's a living practice. So however your life is to guide you will be the living practice for you. So that could be trying I, I do suggest trying different teachers, but mindfully, if your body is compromised or your mind is compromised, you want to be really discerning about what class and what teacher you choose to, spend your time with because I went to a yoga class online yesterday morning, no, Saturday morning, and I was triggered about something the teacher said about gender. I was triggered about how the teacher was commenting on people's forms and that they were perfect. Their poses were perfect. And I actually had to get up and leave the room and send a text to my trans non-binary friend um, across the country and say on a voice message how excruciating it was to hear this person talking about men having babies and laughing and like holding space for 25 people.
0: Saying transphobic things.
1: I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's phobic, but it's definitely ignorant and not broad-minded enough because they haven't been exposed to the Mm -hmm. notion that like the gender thing and the pregnancy thing, there's a lot of room for nuance. And I have my own like body dysmorphia, body dysphoria and that's why I don't go to yoga classes was in my living room because I, I need a really, like you said, I need a really tailored class and a really informed instructor Mm-hmm. to be able to relax and let yeah. myself exhale and mm-hmm. vasodilate and they're hard to find so i i usually practice on my own or with other queer or trans teachers who are trauma informed yeah because it's just i don't have the bandwidth anymore to translate in my mind yeah. what they mean with what it, how it impacts me
0: yeah that's a a great transition to the next pile of questions which is all about trauma-informed decolonizing queer yoga oh my gosh so many exciting things to talk about only so many hours in a day
1: <laughs> i know my cheeks are flushed from all of the
0: excitement <laughs> all the yoga zaps the all the chi moving kundalini around. moving through me prana so brooke why is trauma-informed or trauma-sensitive yoga a class or a teacher important to seek out?
1: I'm glad you asked. I wanted to read a little bit from this book called A Queer Dharma by Jacoby Ballard, who is trans yoga therapist, yoga teacher, who's been working in social justice circles for 20 years over in New York. And I think he, they live in Utah, in Salt Lake City. And so there's a chapter, this is Yoga and Meditations for Liberation. So Jacoby has some experience in Buddhism. It's not really so much my practice. I don't really know that much about it, but this is a really beautiful book that talks about a lot of things that we're dealing with as we're moving in social justice in the world and how we can integrate spiritual practices, the spiritual practices that are yoga and and Buddhism. Anyway, there's a chapter in here in part two, which Jacoby wrote first before part one called Teaching Queer and Trans Yoga. And it starts with this question, why do LGBTQ people need a separate space, a separate class? Isn't that exclusive? People have asked me this question over 15 years of teaching queer and trans yoga. My answer is that the class is needed now, given oppression within and beyond yoga in the U.S. Ultimately, I would love every yoga class to truly embrace all students of every gender, ability, race, and age. This is just not the case right now, until we take on oppression and privilege and its dynamics in yoga classrooms, trainings, and retreats. A class like queer and trans yoga is needed to provide queer and trans people with the life-saving tools and skills of yoga. I wanna read just a little bit more. There's a section in here on queer folks, trauma and addiction, which is all part of my story. It is important not just that queer and trans people access yoga, meditation and other healing practices, but also that we be held by community leaders who have healed themselves too. Having a teacher and sangha reflect back to us various aspects of ourselves. Having a teacher that and a sangha, a, a spiritual community, reflect back to us various aspects of ourselves is, is as important as the science of the practice itself. So that's another reason why I am, am motivated to live a yogic lifestyle is because I am committed to teaching because it it it's, it loops back to. Mm-hmm me being able to take care of myself and stay in community and not be in isolation and engage in the world, um, which helps to lift my self-esteem and give me purpose. I'm just, I just wanna read a little bit more unless you wanna stop, okay. We must provide our communities with healthier tools to cope with the immediate impact of trauma, such as mindfulness, yoga, dance, and prayer there's a part in this chapter that lists all the reasons why there's oppression and trauma specifically for the trans and queer lgbtq community and so that reading this reading right here is particularly impactful because jacoby's just gone over the homophobia the heterosexism the twice as likely to have an addiction and straight counterparts the like all of the problems that we live with in our community so we must provide our communities with healthier tools to cope with the immediate impact of trauma such as mindfulness yoga dance and prayer strive to overthrow or dismantle the systems of oppression that create that trauma in the first place and integrate self-care and community care in our homes businesses organizations and neighborhoods so this is all in page pages 162 or something to 174 in trauma-informed teaching most people within queer communities are survivors of sexual violence 64 percent of trans people 13 percent of lesbians half of bisexual men and women 40 percent of gay men Uh, To be in the body can feel quite dangerous, for the body has been a site of harm and a survival mechanism can be dissociation, when our attention leaves the body. I speak, Jacobi speaking as themselves. I speak directly to the experience of trauma in class and share that safety in our bodies is not a given, it's not an arrival point, but rather a process. I try to destigmatize trauma. There can be an idea that part of what made us queer or trans is this trauma. Overcoming the shame of trauma is mixed with internalized homophobia and transphobia. There's a lot of really beautiful and really beautiful expression, articulation of the art of teaching yoga, and it's important to recognize it both as a science and an art. It's a science because the practices are predictable if the results are predictable um, and replicable if the techniques are practiced uh, consistently in the way that our teachers taught them and it's an art because each person brings their own experience and their own expertise and training and yet to be able to speak who when I speak to whom does it on whom does it land I want to cultivate the skill the technique to for it to land for as many people as possible because that is the ideal however in a queer and trans class for example or when i'm i don't really teach that class but i do teach individuals who identify in certain ways similarly to the ways that i identify and that helps to bridge the shame and the stigma and the misunderstanding of all of these things that we're all living with that it, if it's addressed by some instructor who has absolutely no consciousness of what how what they're saying or how it might land or like how to like apologize or remedy or come to after you're not I'm not I'm never going to go back to that teacher's class. And so yeah. I might never go back to yoga, which is a shame because yoga has so much to offer anybody who is willing to practice it. There's so many different ways to practice yoga, yeah. meditation, relaxation, right? Self-regulation, spirituality, the physical aspects of it, the attitudes, the ethics. Like there's, you can, anybody can access something for it to be helpful. But when we're just teaching these 200 hour teacher trainings and like pumping people out and like, sending them out to be healers in the community, it's dangerous. So we have things like certifications and, but for yeah, the person, not all yoga out,
0: teachers are built the same. <laughs> some know. have 20 plus years or a lifetime of experience. And some people just did a thing for one year or half a year. And now they're out there doing stuff.
1: Four weeks. Yeah. You have to have a little bit more experience than that most yoga teacher trainings require six months of personal practice before you're enrolled in it but some people have dedicated their lives to teaching a hot fast physical based cis heteronormative often white style of yoga Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that isn't going to reach the asian american population as easily the Black American population as easily, the Hispanic population, the Latinx. I grew up in LA, That's, I don't mean that to be offense, an offensive term. If it is, I apologize. Anyway, the trans community, right? Like communities like that I tend to meet, communities with stigmatizing mental health diagnoses, Mm-hmm. that will keep people isolated and in seclusion who could really benefit. Those are the folks that I, that often find me and that I work really well with because that's my lived experience.
0: Yeah. And I've heard you talk either on this podcast or on your friend MP's show. I forget now which one it was. Cause I've, oh. I listened to the one you did with MP um, a sweet but Perfection
1: I've... Yoga Therapy. Yes. <laughs> check it out. And Pia <laughs> is trans non-binary. A yoga therapist is a yoga nidra leader, mm-hmm. an incredible human. Incredible. I love them. They recently mm-hmm. bore a child like less than two years ago. I not identifying as a woman and they're a force and they're also a Leo's. Yes like me and you Mm
0: -hmm. a bunch of leos trying to learn to take a nap
1: that's so funny oh my gosh a bunch of leos changing the world and like living in the queer trans community like i know quite a few of us leos living in the queer trans sector what is that about yeah we're like
0: So, how is relaxation and rest decolonizing? And we're talking about the importance of trauma-informed, but it's also decolonizing. Yeah, how is rest political? How is rest
1: political? How is rest rebellion? I love talking about this so much, Jack. Thank you so much for. This is the core of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is as. This is as embodied decolonization as being trans or polyamorous or living and setting yourself up in a community where you can be neurodivergent and make your way it's against the grain right so resting like Mm -hmm. decolonizing time Mm -hmm. so like it takes at least 20 minutes for my nervous system to calm down during a meditation that's on the front end on the back end of a rest practice there is a liminal space is very spacey and floaty that you Mm -hmm. want to be able to go from that liminal space slowly into your waking more active life Mm -hmm. and working with that space between may without jarring it while preserving it because you've just done something that you've invested some time in and it feels so good usually one's experience Mm -hmm. if they're practicing and find a teacher they like and all that they're practicing you want to go back to it and so that's going to change the way that you move through the world after the practice and it's going to start to rearrange one's life that's from micro to macro Mm -hmm. but when we learn to feel what is happening in our body and we stay with it and we don't let go of it a lot of us are going to feel and it talks about it in this book a queer dharma we're going to feel anger we're going to feel grief Mm -hmm. we're going to feel love we're going to feel some big feelings that in their pure form are motivators for something And so if we can become aware of how it is that our physical body is telling us how we feel, then we need to work on the feelings and set up the structure so that we don't feel that way anymore because we're awake. Things are going to change incrementally and so subtly, but from the ground level that it is revolutionary it is you we all can say that yoga is has been revolutionary in the united states and around the world since 1980. in the 2000s when i first started practicing on a daily basis yoga was like 80 million people were practicing it and it was like a Mm -hmm. multi-billion dollar business right so these classic the ethics non-harming non-stealing being generous being moderate, controlling your energy and your right your life force in a right way not being greedy these are foundational to all the practices of yoga even if you're pumped out in a 20 to in a 200 hour yoga teacher training
0: mm-hmm.
1: every mm-hmm. teacher learns that and is conveying that vibration in some way to every student who has to 80 million people in the United mm-hmm. States alone and now their kids
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then their kids so i'm gonna talk about i'm going somewhere with this the united states the most popular style of yoga is an active body-based yoga it's not a meditation practice and it's not a devotion practice like they have in india where they go to the temples and they light the incense and that's a different path but what i'm finding is that's really exciting is that people who have been practicing asana which is the forms the movement the exercise practice I believe that people's consciousness has been changed by the, the asana, the forms, but also by that frequency. And they are prepared, they have been preparing for the, the consequent experiences of yoga, which are meditation and union with the divine. Mm-hmm. Those, those are, that's like the end point. So there's a process and, and, a, and an ultimate. I think that all of the, and I've been waiting and I've seen this and believed this for a long time. And I'm one of the only people I've ever heard to say it out loud for as long as I've known it is that this yoga is going to weave its way in and people are going to become hungrier for meditation and rest practices. I didn't know at the time that it would be widely considered a revolutionary thing to rest. But I have known because of my own experience of resting with, through yoga, that it is revolutionary. It has revolutionized my life, my social world, my sensitivity, my, my psychic ability, my creativity, my self-acceptance and self-worth, the way that I budget my time, what is a value to me financially. and have become over time personally really like I live like a spiritual person Mm -hmm. I would say I have a quiet like really calm sort of controlled focused lifestyle you do generally speaking yeah
0: you like cook things that are within the yoga food thing what is there's a whole what is the name for that I forget
1: you're supposed to cook all your own food Mm -hmm. unless someone who loves you is cooking the food like you're not supposed to eat restaurant food so much, street mm-hmm. food. Unless that person on the street knows you and has you've grown up at their cart.
0: What did you ask? <laughs> What's the word for the yoga of food? I'm forgetting the name of it.
1: Oh, so the, the sister science of yoga is maybe what you're talking about, mm. which is really the study of life.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: its Sanskrit name is Ayurveda. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about?
0: It is. Yeah. And there's like kapha and the other two and
1: <laughs> you've got to know about vata and you've got to know about pitta <laughs> that's right those are the doshas and those are combinations of elements because oh. ayurveda is based on the is it yeah five elements there are different ones in chinese traditional chinese medicine but corresponding with from the lowest chakra up right earth mm-hmm. water fire air and space so combining those five creates a dosha, it creates a, a blueprint for what is appropriate for you to ingest and speed at which you move through the world and what how you get deranged or thrown off balance and, and getting back to that balance by, by adding in or taking away elements or things that are other things that are comprised of elements like food or color or it's about sleep it's about cycles sleep-wake cycles hormonal cycles it's about creating a rhythm so that you can continue to stay open to the creator herself they call kundalini moving through your your system your astral anatomy your astral spine from the root up from the lowest chakra taking all that karma all those impressions of emotions and grandma didn't buy me the ice cream that summer in atlanta like all that gets like blasted up through we use the breath is the most direct and powerful way to Mm self-regulate on a scientific level and also more esoterically the question was
0: i just forgot the name of Ayurveda.
1: What was the question before that?
0: How is relaxation and rest decolonizing?
1: Mm-hmm. Which I
0: think some of what you're saying is also pretty anti-capitalist, right? In a world where we're told you must work to be worth anything, taking rest is a radical act. And and maybe even paying to learn how to rest better is a super radical act. Because not only are you not making money, you're spending money on learning how to lay down. It's decolonizing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On checking out of the executive,
1: cool. system, the executive clock system.
0: Yeah.
1: And Ayurveda, learning of being educated in any way is also decolonizing, right? Like colonization blasted out cultures. So some of us have remnants of traditional wisdom. And what we're doing is like scrapping, scraping a lot of them together to try to figure out how to be a new culture 200 years after industrialization. Mm-hmm. And so if i'm learning about yoga and ayurveda and i'm learning about my own health and how to use the elements and understand the workings of the elements in nature also connected with an idea of spirit my spirit it's it's decolonizing It's, it's taking you're going to make different choices with your capital and If you can't be committed to your health and using your capital for that, then you're just not on board with decolonization. (laughs) Self-care is
0: revolutionary. Self-care is totally revolutionary. Because the the overculture of capitalism wants you to be a cog in the machine and just work and produce and you have
1: to pay for water. You have Mm -hmm. to pay to live on the earth. They're making decisions that are weird awful and continuing that it's gonna change we're watching it happen it's pretty exciting
0: so now we're finally getting to the pile of questions about yoga and gender dysphoria and the first Mm -hmm. question in this pile is why should trans people care about yoga so you've already talked about this from some a couple of different angles and if you feel like you already answered it we can go to the next one but Do you have any other things to say on like, why should a trans person care about yoga? There
1: was a mention in a queer Dharma about dissociation. Mm -hmm. And when we like give up agency over our body, we are relinquishing a really potentially really powerful tool for decolonization Mm -hmm. and resistance. Resisting with rest, what sounds better? Nothing sounds better than that. I don't want to go to the protest. I want to rest <laughs> yeah. so that gets back to the last question right i think there's a process that happens as we are deciding to live in our bodies or change our bodies and there are a lot of potential like dangers when we are both come like real realizing we're trans i know this has been true for me or like working with my identity and and who I am in the world. Like, I don't wanna wanna feel a lot of my body because it doesn't match the way that I am moving through the world. Mm -hmm. To do yoga, to be able to relax on my own or rest, to be able to get into my body so that I can move in a healthy way. There's so much more to say about this, but why should it be important to anybody?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, it's the same. And also we can create a community that is is informed by the same values and share more values together. That's a really important piece. The community aspect of practicing yoga is really relevant and we need to connect with one another. And we love each other in a way that the, we love in a way that is just, I find different in some ways mm-hmm. to the I wanted to say the regular world but what is regular for me anymore all of my friends are trans
0: yay (laughs) queer trans lucky you
1: (laughs) I know I've fallen and I can't get up no let me stay down (laughs) Rest. let's all rest together here together in a puppy pile so the trans community should be what is it just as interested why should trans
0: people care about yoga
1: why should they care
0: So there's a community building aspect. There's potential uses to treat dysphoria.
1: And maybe so that you have something to care about. Yeah. I didn't have like really anything to care about. My sister had committed suicide. I was so checked out of my body of, you'd never know. i slept 22 hours a day for months Mm -hmm. at a time. I ate a lot of carbs and sugar and just so that I could go back to sleep yeah uh, like I didn't have anything to live for I felt like after and yeah it gave me something to do and it gave me people to be around and gave me my body back and it gave me my 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 stability back physically and emotionally and financially now because it's turned into my livelihood there's a lot of opportunity, too, in yoga. If it is your path and you do become trained and you do meet people who you love and want to work as a yoga teacher or a yoga therapist or a meditation teacher or as anything with the understanding of yoga, there is space in the industry. I hate to sound so dry, and but there's space in the world. We need more we need you if you're a healer. And I think that if you're, I don't use that word a lot, but if you are a healer and if you're wounded, you can be a really powerful healer, especially because you know what it's like to be wounded. What happened to that, that stuff happened to get you wounded. Yeah. And you know what it's like to work, to feel better. And that's what we're all doing with the social justice stuff. We can do it in our physical bodies and fortify the social justice stuff. And it's essential. Rest is essential. Movement is essential. Learning how to be in this body is essential if we're going to do good work and feel comfortable.
0: Yeah. I want to
1: feel feel comfortable if that's the only thing can we feel more comfortable and sometimes we live with chronic pain we can't ever really feel comfortable but maybe we can feel that pain a little differently like this Mm -hmm. and a little differently like this and then now five minutes have passed because i've been doing things to try to feel it differently and like maybe the pain is like some dimension that i'm embodying but not recognizing that there are other dimensions yeah and expanding consciousness and relieving life through the mindfulness, through the sticking with it moment by moment. Yeah.
0: I can definitely say that um, engaging with a yoga practice has shifted my relationship to my chronic pain. Like it hasn't made it gone completely away, but it's like the pain is demanding attention. And after I do a yoga practice, it feels tended to. So even if it's still there, it's like a kid with a fever who like, at least got to have an ice bath and now is cozy in a blanket. So still the fever is there, but like it has been considered and paid attention to. And so it's easier to bear and tolerate because there's not just this anguish of I need attention. I need help. It's been tended and that's that's pretty, pretty powerful.
1: That's beautifully said. I love that. I love you.
0: I love you too. Duh. As we talk about... How, especially trans and queer people leave their bodies because of trauma, because of dysphoria, because of so many reasons. I think about Peter Pan chasing his shadow around Wendy's bedroom (laughs) and like Wendy helping Peter the shadow back onto his foot and how a yoga teacher is like Wendy helping Peter sew his shadow self back, back to himself. So it's like calling ourselves back home. And yeah, especially
1: our physical body, but our spirit back into what is our own individual experience while living and or being and Mm -hmm. being comfortable with it because we're in the body. It's okay.
0: I can point to the time in my life where I stopped living in my body. I was in middle school. My mom wanted to drop me off at the swimming pool. And I hated my bathing suit because I didn't like how I looked in it. And it was because either because I was curvy and I didn't want to be fat or because I was starting to look like a woman and I wasn't a woman in my brain. And so it was like my body was betraying me. I wanted to be just like flat, slender guy shaped. And then all of a sudden I have hips and breasts and what is happening. And so for a long while, I thought it was internalized fat phobia. And so I worked to decolonize that. And then I realized, no, actually it was a gender thing all along. And so like when I hit puberty and started to get secondary sex characteristics is when I left. And so doing a yoga practice has helped me come home to myself in a way that I haven't been home it's like a cabin in the woods that I haven't been in for twenty years, and I think I've said that analogy on stream before. It's Trans Capybara's analogy, but it needs a fresh coat of paint. It needs some structural maintenance in ways that, like, if I had been cisgender, maybe I would have paid more attention the last two decades. People put on their freshman fifteen in college or whatever, but it was much more than fifteen for me, <laughs> and I'm still carrying it around. And I can say after having my top surgery my relationship to my body has changed. Like just last weekend, I gardened shirtless for the first time in my life. And it was such a pleasure to have the sun touching my back and just having like dirt fall on my chest and not even notice it until later when I'm like in the bathroom cleaning up. And I'm like, oh, my arms and chest are covered in dirt. Like I used to hate dirt and not want it anywhere near me. And now it's, oh, look, I get to be like farmer boi jack out in the sunshine planting these plants
1: Uh, to have sun on my bare front body feels divine yeah and not allowed most mostly
0: there's always witch camp (laughs) for one week a year there's a special place we're allowed to be naked in the sunshine but if anyone's interested in that dm me on discord i'll tell you about it it's a good time there's a lot of trans people there it's Queer as hell, I love it.
1: <laughs> and so for me, there's a process. There was a process of leaving my body
0: mm-hmm.
1: that stuck for a really long time. Yeah, fifteen, maybe closer to twenty years mm-hmm. that I had to unwind over right. a process. And it still happens to me. Yeah. I haven't been practicing and moving my body the same since COVID, and and I can tell that my connection is not as strong. Mm-hmm. To, I can I'm. I can dissociate, really depersonalize. And I'm working on being out in the world with my non-binary mindset, which isn't even the right term for for it. Neutral, I have a neutral gender. In my soul, it's yeah.
0: neutral. Yeah, we talked about it last time you were here, the post-gender almost. Sort of everything and nothing at once it's a
1: spiritual thing yeah it's an evolutionary thing yeah yeah anyway so i just uh yeah did that answer that question is there more
0: there's four more questions about yoga and gender dysphoria and i'm trying to figure out which ones have we talked about and which ones do we Mm -hmm. do we still want to talk about i
1: want to talk about mental health a little bit
0: so how about this one then yoga as a support relative to mental turmoil that comes with gender dysphoria
1: yeah we have covered it it's all the same but i think to speak to it is part of my battle cry for we need more trans yoga teachers Mm -hmm. who are experienced and educated and committed and work with mentors and we need to i think what i listened to this podcast so many wings last week that really has had an effect on me and i'm going to be meeting with the um facilitator of that Jax McNamara who is also I think non-binary trans in Santa Fe who co-founded the Icarus Project which is the bipolar community underground like the punk rock bipolar community anyway they were talking about being honest about our struggles with mental health even as a healer and again I don't I use that word as an abbreviation for what we all do. And I don't want it to be woo-woo, but for me I I have been for whatever reason this forerunner leader in the conversations around mental health especially in my pat in my previous community in San Luis Obispo, California. I was bringing movies about hearing voices, one called Healing Voices, to the community and showing Crazy Wise, which is another film about spirituality in other cultures and what mental health looks like in our culture and its ties to spirituality. And I've been really isolated and I could stay in a little bubble there in San Luis Obispo. I was going out to conferences, mental health conferences and talking about yoga. I was going to yoga conferences and talking about mental health. Mm -hmm. I was doing research and projects and working in schools and colleges. And like I was doing all of it, leading retreats and classes and and I was alone. And I I didn't have anybody to have a conversation with about being gay, Mm
0: -hmm. about
1: being trans or non-binary, about even the concept of it nothing about polyamory that wasn't like snickered at. And I didn't feel comfortable talking about my mental health because I was so traumatized by the way that it was treated. And I needed to earn a living in this little town where everything was super homogenized, yeah. white, middle class. Like if I acted creative, I always wanted dreadlocks, never did it because I would look too weird. And I wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to have any respect, I think, is what I thought. I'm discovering now as I'm coming out more and more about mental health, about, about my identity, it's, I recognize that there's a process that can only be facilitated by being around other people. And so by being in a trans community, queer community that's practicing yoga together I don't really have that quite yet, and I'm looking at the ways that I can facilitate that in a way that sustains my health and well-being, Yeah, because I don't know what the statistics are on mental health in the trans community because we don't have enough studies on anything about the trans community. Nobody's right. really putting money toward it at this point. However, on the ground, we can do it, and. I believe that there is a high experience of mental health diagnoses and in the community and also of addiction and all of that stuff, which leads back to trauma, which can lead back to yoga. If you're trained in trauma-informed yoga and self-regulation skills, it's the perfect, like, it's the perfect cauldron of helping mental health, helping identity, dysphoria just dis- whatever it is like all the disses and the d's like bringing love back to the d's so i also really masked my if it's whatever my neurodivergence is the brook flavor of mm-hmm. neurodivergence yeah i i tamped it down because i because i wanted to get along with people and it I didn't, I couldn't find stable people who also had the creativity that I did and I didn't want to be with wackadoodle people who weren't grounded. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: I guess I erred toward being more homogenized and cis and all of that because I wanted that. I was willing to sacrifice having the dreadlocks. And in the interim, I learned how to have some stability and live in this world because i didn't even want to live in capitalism like all that stuff would bother me from the get-go but i was able to figure out a way to do it by doing something that i love which is yoga and service and now that i am more stable after 20 20 plus years i i'm now meeting my people and expressing myself and practicing playing with what are those psychic abilities how can I use them to help people more how can I move my body differently how can I think differently note with this new information about like I have permission and neighbors who also are doing it their own way and differently and we get how do we get along with each other and like How do I come back to myself and learn to be myself in community? My home community was really traumatizing. And so I never really learned a lot of good social family skills too. And I wanna balance it all. I wanna balance like the yoga practice of devotion and the artist in me and the the really kind of straight person that like does things with integrity and is mindful of it and accountable and the person who loves mindfully and speaks mindfully and is accountable when there's something going on with a in in a loving context to me that means not having a whole lot of people around me i'm very particular about who i keep around me because it's a it's an octave that for me to be able to be myself completely myself is an octave that I can't find a harmony with as much as I would like, as much as I've experienced. And I think that part of it, and I don't mean to sound arrogant, but that's what makes leadership. I don't have any other peers of doing what it is that I do, how I do it. And with the combination of like my neurodivergence and classical yoga teaching, So I can broadcast something to a certain community that really needs it. And I want Mm -hmm. to be able to reach my community better and more. So that's my prayer, I guess, right now in this lunation of this Scorpio eclipse, full moon, is to be able to reach more people in a way that allows me to be as expressive and honest and not so constricted feeling there's a big part of me that doesn't feel a lot of freedom so having the liberating the spiritually liberating practices of meditation and resting
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: are super that's so valuable extra valuable than to the average cishat person yeah. it's like it is to the black community like it is for any like marginalized community the disabled the blah blah, blah. I still haven't gotten to the nut meat stuff of the things that I want to talk about mental health but I think it seems like we're coming maybe down to a time point I have no concept of time at this point I'm like we've been
0: know. live for two hours and I do have a thing in. 26 minutes that I need to wrap up and get to but the concluding question that I have for you is there anything that I didn't ask about that you wanted to share about yoga or yoga and gender or yoga and mental health etc
1: mental health gender and spirituality yeah I want to know what people need I would ask a I would ask a question back like what is needed and what are people, what's people's capacity and to actually like, I don't know, figure out a way that we can all build like a really strong yoga core for this movement, a cadre of yoga folk.
0: Squad, a yoga squad.
1: Squadron, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. What do I want? People can come to my training this weekend if they want to. They can come to my Friday night class, just the Friday night class. We're going to do a restorative uh, sequence for mood balancing. And then we're going to deconstruct it over the next couple of days and talk about trauma. And why are you laughing?
0: Because I just crossed my arms the opposite way of usual, because oh, gosh. that was I've been the doing thing we worked on last week. I've
1: been doing it all week, too. <laughs> it's good for your brain, I think.
0: It is. I, I usually, I, it's the opposite way of usual, and it's funny to me, um, because it suits the hand that I hurt yesterday better to cross it the opposite way of usual. And so it's yeah. so funny that we practiced that, and then six days later, I it had a... T- so funny. We do have another question from the audience, though. Delirium asks, if you find yourself dissociating during yoga, how do you bring it back to a healing session or practice?
1: You mean, how do you bring your mind back to your healing practice?
0: Sure. Or if you have a short guided meditation for dealing with dissociation and return, that could be your closing offering you wanted to do and then we we will make sure to leave time for you to talk about your workshop this weekend too after that
1: um yeah we could totally do that but we did it at the beginning so it's the same thing and i'll give yes. you the secret of it yes. one of the secrets of it is getting into your five senses so when you're in a yoga class and you're starting to dissociate you want to come back to that embodiment so something about the five senses, I think that's why a hot yoga class can be so powerful because there's a sense of you're in tactile like noticing your environment. Oh, okay, I dissociate well, what's happening in the room right now? Is something happening that you're dissociating for? There's a fight or something right like something or there's for me it would be like there's this there's somebody like there's a sex vibe that makes me dissociate or like a predator vibe. Notice any messages that your mind or your body or your emotions are telling you. When you check back into the environment or to your body or to your emotions, like where did you just go? Like, where'd I go? Okay, can I come back to this moment? Check out the body, you could do feet like we did. Feet, lower legs, upper legs, hips, right? Out to the hands, arms, upper arms, the back, three parts of the back, the neck, lower, middle, upper come in the spiritual eye so that's this tradition is we always channel it up to the spiritual eye I'm noticing the form of the spine and keeping the spine open i feel like i lost my train of thought what was the question
0: we were talking about how to yeah from delirium in the chat if you find yourself dissociating during yoga how, yoga, how do you bring it back to the right. session in the practice so
1: those techniques and you learn them and you can call on them you also mm-hmm. come back to the breath again the breath is the most direct powerful way to self-regulate so learning about the exhalation coming back i hope that answers the question that they're asking i'm not sure if i understand the question but
0: it sounds like if you have a moment that you notice you're dissociated doing yeah. those observational practices can be one method of bringing yourself back
1: Correct.
0: noticing the breath noticing you know your connections to the floor for me at least right. noticing where gravity is impacting my body because gravity is a constant at least on earth <laughs> maybe if cool. you're in space gravity isn't a constant and you have to find a new meditation practice what an interesting thing to consider how do you meditate in space that's a different episode
1: <laughs> i'm going to turn this light off okay because that's it's fun lamp and i'm like getting
0: blasted by all the leo goodness
1: It's late in the (laughs) afternoon to be in full sun. Yeah, (laughs) it is.
0: It totally is. Yeah. And there's at least two people in the chat who didn't catch your practice at the beginning of stream, who are interested in it, if you felt like reading it again.
1: Yeah. So the, the landmarks that I use, I pretty much use them all the time. And like every tech, yeah, the technique is the same. I don't stray really from the technique. It keeps things very organized for me and it's not overwhelming. So I find my seat. I notice where my body is connecting to the floor or the chair or whatever it is that I'm sitting in, just like Jack was saying. And then I like to suggest sometimes inhaling and pressing the sits bones down and lengthening the spine up. We've been practicing breathing in and holding it with anxiety. So if you're gonna do that, lengthen your spine. And then as you exhale, soften the shoulders. If you're sitting up, you might glide the chin back. Sitting up can be challenging. So I teach people how to sit a lot. Lifting the gaze toward the spiritual eye. So this is the prefrontal cortex, pineal gland. Our higher centers separate us from the rest of the animal kingdom, functional, executive, response, center, not reaction, which is at the back of the neck. So we glide the chin back, keep the back of the neck open. You can think about that anytime. What's happening with my neck? How is this energy flowing or not flowing through that column, that hollow tube? observing your environment, you might notice any sounds in the room, any sounds beyond the room, the sound of your own breath, the sound of the exhalation. You might observe the sensation of the organic pause that resides at the end of the out breath before the following in breath releasing your awareness once again toward the spiritual eye if you feel too spine is long or comfortable chin is tucked slightly you might notice your body temperature or again your connection to the floor whatever you're resting on sense of touch your sense of sight eyes closed or open you might lift your gaze toward the spiritual eye maybe just an inch above the point between the eyebrows softening the weight of the eyes back into their sockets like they're sitting in bucket seats, keeping the floor of the lower jaw soft, observing any sensations of white or shape, color, eyes soft, throat is soft, laxed, open, point between the eyebrows, Inhaling, you might bring your awareness up the spine, noticing any scent to the air, exhaling, any taste in the mouth. If it feels comfortable for you, you might bring your awareness to the emotional field, observing any emotional feeling. It can, of course, be multiple feelings. Be sweet with what you find exhaling, inhaling and lengthening the spine again as if magnetizing your energy up to the spiritual eye. releasing the shoulders, exhaling, observing any thoughts in the mind, any patterns of thinking, habits of thought. Just take a moment, let yourself think, noticing what you're thinking, that you're thinking, and that you're breathing, exhaling, releasing tension if you can, or changing it if you can. If there's any way that you can honor any thoughts or feelings or physical sensations to make yourself more comfortable, that could be what we call an intention, let yourself find comfort. And if you can't find comfort, you might simply notice the breath, And the exhalation, breathing through the nose, if possible. Exhaling and inhaling through the nose, or working your way to closing your mouth over many breaths. It's fine, too. You can take any of these techniques out of that sequence to bring yourself back to your body, being sweet with yourself. Gaze is lifted toward the brow, finding your exhalation, and coming back whenever you feel ready. Did that answer or complete?
0: Yes, it did.
1: I've never talked about it in public before, but something happens to me sometimes when I'm open, like that makes me want to cough. It's something in my lymph nodes, in my throat. There's like energy that's moving through, and I think getting mm-hmm. bottlenecked there.
0: Yeah, literally. And
1: it makes me want. To, it makes me want to cough, and then if I don't cough, it makes me cry. And I think that's probably a natural mechanism that's release releasing mm-hmm. energy through my body. But it can stammer me up, and I think it's part of the self acceptance and the acceptance by my community that I can actually allow myself to feel that and be with it It sounds like crying it's not pretty whatever it's not your standard detached but i'm nothing but attached to what's happening in my body so much so that whatever this mystical kundalini is that it's talked about in all the texts it's running through me and that helps me to change the world i have to be really relax for it to happen and focused on it and inviting sometimes. Mm-hmm. If I'm not in an inviting place for it, it will take over and mess with my mental health. That's what it does. So I'm gonna be teaching a regular class starting June 3rd. It's Friday nights, 5 30 Pacific to seven through true self yoga. Mm-hmm. That's through a yoga studio here in Olympia, Washington, in the Pacific Northwest. I'm also leading a restorative yoga retreat and training this weekend, and I'll do it again. But again, it's deconstructing this restorative yoga sequence of really gentle forms. We're learning about self-regulation, how we do what I do, what we just did. It's super chock full of rest, learning and resting a lot. So it's over Friday night, three hours of practice. We won't practice that long, but, and then Saturday it's 10 to four. And then Sunday it's 11 to three and it's a small group. We're going to do it online too. And it's appropriate for anyone. It -hmm. doesn't matter what your body is like. It doesn't matter if you've never done yoga. All you really need is willingness. So it's a tool that you'll have in your back pocket that's so helpful. Can we talk about Roe v. Wade? Like, Sure. I I took the morning after pill because I was pregnant because an IUD failed. Mm -hmm. Or else it worked and I got pregnant and then it like aborted it, but didn't abort it all the way or whatever. So anyway, I took RU486 and I forgot to take the... um, codeine or whatever painkiller like I forgot
0: oh no and
1: so I was in a lot of pain yeah with my cervix dilating and all of that and I was in the bathroom and I did a child's form folded forward and then I did one side of a twist and then I did the other side of the twist and then I expelled whatever it was trying to get out of me. So it was useful for home termination of a pregnancy. It's a, dra- a dramatic kind of poignant story, but it's true. And so it can help me- regulate mood, improve sleep quality, decrease pain, all the good things that that it does. Anyway, I would love to invite anybody, if you don't feel that you have the financial... Uh, security to attend if you wanted to attend all 12 hours or even some of them three on Friday where you needed to come and and go online let me know because I would love to have you there and I teach better when I'm teaching to people teaching to nobody in outer space posted on Instagram today it's just not good for my mind I'm inspired by people having people in front of me and especially the especially folks like me, folks like us who will appreciate an environment that is trauma sensitive and open to discussion and who you are and where you're at and what you're going through in a gentle and sweet way that's how i teach all of my everything that i teach is like that and there's an opportunity coming up this weekend and if you're seeing this later in the future check my website brookwestyoga.com, b-r-o-o-k-e-w-e-s-t-y-o-g-a because there's probably something coming up the pike i have a newsletter i would love to adopt your email address for my use so that i can send you information about stuff like that that happens it's really the clincher for me to reach out to you you can see me on Instagram and Facebook on my website too. But have,
0: have we passed the early bird registration window for your friend?
1: Yeah, last night I need to go in and make sure that all those buttons are switched. But it if you if you miss the early bird registration and you need some financial support, you want to come, just be in touch because
0: Because you're generous and not greedy, just like yoga teaches
1: because it needs to be an exchange for sure and this information is really valuable and it's super important and if you're interested in it and you feel like you have the space for it do it
0: and for your workshop this weekend anyone can come to that as well it's not like you need to be a certain level of fancy
1: absolutely you don't even have to be a yoga teacher yeah you don't even have you don't even really have to have practiced yoga ever that's really cool. I didn't really think about it like that, but it's, I haven't said that out loud while talking about this thing, but it's true.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the things that I really love about your approach with yoga is how accessible it is. Even as someone who's disabled and fat and failed out of other yoga stuff because I wasn't fit enough to do them <laughs> and is resistant to exercise in any form and ADHD. Oh God, my brain is everywhere. else. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever the
1: the brain you have, yeah. yoga yeah. maybe has not been accessible, and we figured out a way to make it really attractive. Yeah. Because it's just mellow, and yeah. it's really yeah. good.
0: Yeah. It feels good. Your experience has been good. It has been. So... Friends, all the links to follow Brooke are in the chat. They're in the show description. The website is great. Please do sign up for Brooke's mailing list. That's probably your best plan. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: don't I don't send out too much stuff.
0: It's sure. true. Don't you're you're much too much. busy teaching yoga to write countless emails about random stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. Early bird registration though, that's a good one to remind people about.
0: So Just so folks know, next week's guest here on the talk show is going to be Neurodivergent Rebel. So it's another reoccurrence of a guest we've had once before coming back to the show, like six, eight months later. And we're going to be talking about autism and what it's like being trans in Texas, which is a whole time. So for now, Genderfoe would like to thank our guest for being on this podcast Please feel free to join us live on Twitch on Mondays, check out the replays on YouTube on Fridays, and keep an eye on your favorite podcasting platforms for edited, audio-only versions. As Never Kitty likes to say, trans rights are human rights. That's right.